0: Can we turn it down just a little bit? (laughs) Well, I think it is uh, figuratively and literally a warm welcome today, isn't it? Although we haven't quite got to our maximum temperature yet. And my son's out at the airfield today and they're expecting 41. So I'm glad that I'm not there with him this week. But let's just commit this time to the Lord. Father God, we do thank you that we can come before you and call you our Father. We recognize that you know everything about us. You know everything that has happened, and indeed you know everything that is going to happen. And you know what we need. And so, Father, I pray that today is we share your word, that you will speak to our hearts, that we will be receptive to what you have to share with us and we will go from here, having been built up in our relationship with you and more determined to walk in a way that honors you. And so, Father, I really want to commit this time to you that you will be the one who is honoured and glorified. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And this is making a funny noise, but never mind. I don't know about you, but the best way for me to learn anything is by repetition. You know, when you were back, oh, you didn't do it this way, but when I was back at school, we learned our tables by rote, and I find that I still... Think of it in that way. So, to help me, we are doing a series at the moment that is called The Purpose Driven Life with the subtitle of What on Earth Am I Here For? And that was the title of the first session that we did. Purpose number one was you were planned for God's pleasure Purpose number two was you were formed for God's family, and purpose number three was you were created to become like Christ, and as we've already been told, today we're going to look at purpose number four, which is you were shaped for serving God. Point number one in this particular uh, series of today was entitled Accepting Your Assignment. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we can read the words, it's probably fairly familiar For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, so that no one can boast. But when we look at the next verse, it says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now that word for tells us why we have been saved. We have been saved to serve God. And actually, any time that we do good works, we are, in serving others, we are serving God. Romans chapter 12, verse one says, therefore I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, but some versions use the phrase spiritual service. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I think we could find other scripture verses which tell us that we have been saved to serve. One time when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said to them, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came to be served, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so I think we can discern from this verse that we are also commanded to serve. In the book, the comment was made that people will often say, I am looking for a church which meets my needs and blesses me. Instead of saying, I am looking for a church where I can serve and be a blessing when we think of serving God we need to remember that it's not just limited to being in the church for whenever we walk in obedience to him and whenever we minister to people we are serving him and this actually can be a sobering thought because scripture tells us that one day we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ in order to receive rewards for faithful service. I wonder what he'll say to each of us. Now we've been reminded in this series that we were created by God and for God. Psalm 139 has the words that we, or tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God knows the number of our days, even before they come into being. God has made us unique. And he seeks to use everything about us in our service for him. And Rick Warren uses the word shape to help us remind remember certain facts. S stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for heart. A is abilities. P is personality. And E are experiences. S is spiritual gifts. H is heart. A is abilities. P is personality, and E are experiences. So let's just think about spiritual gifts first of all. In Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's made very clear that all genuine Christians have a spiritual gift. This gift has been given to us by God, for the building up of the body of Christ. It is God who chooses which gift we have, not we ourselves. No one has all the gifts. Everyone has at least one gift. Every gift is important to the body of Christ and no gift is unimportant. There's no room for pride in thinking that my gift is more important than your gift, or envy, why does she have that gift and I don't have it? So we need to seek to discover what our gift is and how we can glorify God. When we think about the heart, the heart represents the source of all our motivation. What do I love to do? What do I enjoy doing most of all? What do I have a passion for? And our interests, the things that we really are passionate about, can be used for God's glory. I would probably say I have a passion for God's word. I've basically enjoyed the teaching of God's word over the years, and it's meant a lot of time has been spent in the study of it, and in the preparation of lessons, but I have enjoyed it. And the side blessing has been that God has ministered to me abundantly through his word. And I would love to see more people being more dedicated to spending time in God's word, to finding out what he says as the bread of life. And as I look at myself, I would probably say I don't really have a heart of mercy and I would probably be more inclined, uh, like my son, sometimes I've heard him mutter under his breath in certain circumstances, suck it up, princess. And I probably would be thinking along the same lines. However, that does not excuse me from being merciful because God has commanded us to be merciful. Now last week I think the sermon focused on the fact that God is seeking to make us into the image and likeness of Christ and Christ was merciful. So therefore I need to learn to be more merciful. Just the same as No one can say, oh, I don't really have a heart to teach God's word, so therefore I can ignore it. No. Last week again, Jamie pointed out that we need to be in God's word, the word of truth, so that we can have the wisdom and the strength to resist the temptations and the attacks of Satan, for one thing, just as Jesus did. So, you know, Where's your heart? What are you interested in? How can you serve, use that to serve God? When we think of abilities, now when, abilities is basically talents and things that we have in the physical realm. Some of us are very uh, talented musically. Some are very gifted or talented in speech. They can pick up a new language very, very easily. Some people may be uh, good at sports. Some people, well, all sorts of things. Some people are very good with their hands and can repair things or make things. But we all have different abilities And again, God who has given us these abilities wants us to use them for his honor and for his glory so that we can perhaps be building up the body of Christ in some way. When God told Moses to build the tabernacle, he said to him, I have gifted a man named Bezalel to lead the work and Oholiab is to be his number one helper. And he also said, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. What are you good at? How does God want you to use your ability or your talent for his honor and for his glory? P was personality. And even in this area, we're different. Some are introverts, some are extroverts. Some like routine, some like variety. Some could be described as thinkers, some could be feelers. And there's no right or wrong type, but it is important that we learn to work with who we are and appreciate that we are all different. And when I was preparing this sermon, I thought of my ex-neighbor. He loves to talk. And when we meet for coffee, it's very, very difficult to get a word in, as we say, edgewise. He has cancer, which means that he has regular doctor's appointments. And while waiting, he will talk to anybody and everybody. He just talks, talk, 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 talk. I tend to just like to sit in the corner and knit if I'm at a doctor's appointment, but anyway, he talks. And he soon gets the discussion or the talking around to the fact that he is an alcoholic. But he became a Christian and God has taken away from him a complete desire to drink alcohol. So his talking is a way of witnessing. And if people pick up on the discussion and take it further, he just goes further with yak, 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 and tells him what God has done for him. But we are all very, very different. God doesn't change our personality when we become Christians. He does want us to learn from other people, but mostly he wants us to be willing to be used as we are. He was experiences. We are shaped by the different things that we experience in life. And Rick Warren gave six kinds of experiences that could mould us as people. Family. What did you learn as you were growing up? What kind of a family did you come from? Educational. Where did you go to school? What were your favourite subjects? What did you like? How did you get on at school? Vocational, what kind of job have you got? What kind of jobs have you had in the past? Which ones did you like? What do you not like doing? Spiritual, what's been your most meaningful time with God? Ministry, how have you served God in the past? And painful, what problems, hurts, trials, and difficulties have you experienced? Now I can understand, I can appreciate that not all of these may apply to us at the present moment. But when we think of painful experiences, I was reminded of the passage in Second Corinthians where it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God will allow us to go through difficult times so that we can be equipped to minister to others who are going through a similar circumstance. I knew that it would be difficult, or it could be difficult, to lose a partner through death, but now I understand a lot more about it. But the question for us is, how can I use what I have experienced to honour God and to minister to others? As we look at these different aspects of shape, we can understand that we are different, so what do we need to do about it? Firstly, as I've been trying to say, we need to understand that God wants to use what we have and who we are. He does not want us to worry about or covet abilities that we do not have. So we need to discover what our shape is, use it, and develop it. And how do we do this? Well, let's think about our own abilities and gifts. It's probably easier to know what our natural abilities are but more difficult to recognise our spiritual gift. And as I was pondering over this sermon, I believe that God brought back to my mind a hymn, and these are the words, or these are the words of the first verse. It says, "Have thine own way, Lord; have thine own way. Thou art the potter; I am the clay. Mould me and make me after your will." while I am waiting, yielded and still. It's probably based on Jeremiah chapter 18 where God referred to himself as the potter and his people as the clay. And I think he also used that picture in Isaiah. So using this picture, God has made some of us, shall we say, plates. Some are big, some are small. Some might be round, or square, or oval. Some might be fancy. Some might be plain. He might have made some of us bowls. Again, different sizes, different shapes. Some of us are jugs. Some might be flower pots, and we can think of other things that we could have been made by the potter. I don't think the potter, the master potter, would be very pleased with me if I was a plate and I looked around and I said, oh, I am so wonderful. (laughs) I'm used for the Peking duck, or the lechon, if we're in the Philippines. I don't think God, as the master potter, would be pleased with me. Also, if I was a side plate, and I said, it's not fair. Look at that plate. She's used for the pavlova, and I'm only used for the bread roll. I don't think the potter would be very pleased with me either if I was a small bowl and I thought, oh dearie me, I've got nothing to be used for. I think I'll just sit here on the the shelf and gather dust. And I don't think that the master potter would be very pleased with me either if I was, say, a water jug and I saw a a vase or something, a pot over there, and I said, I see that you're just a pot. You really should tell the potter to change you into a jug. We are what we are. God has made us what we are. Let's use our gifts and abilities for his honor and for his glory. One way to do that is by getting involved. Give Give different things a try and if it doesn't work out consider it a, an experiment but you won't know what your gifting is if you don't try anything how do we how do we know what to do well we need to serve others in matthew 20:28 20, it says the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And also in Mark, chapter nine, verse 35, Jesus said, sitting down, he called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. So the challenging question that was asked in this particular section was, Do you have a servant's heart? It's one thing to know what our shape is, but it's another thing to use it for God's glory. And we are given some points to consider for ourselves. Point number one was real servants make themselves available. They do not fill their time with other pursuits, And then only make themselves available when it's convenient. This means that our timetable and schedule is submitted to God and we are willing to change it as He determines. Real, number two, real servants pay attention to the needs of others. Number three, Real servants do the best with what they have. They do not make excuses and procrastinate or wait for better circumstances. As we've been saying, God wants us to do what we can, when we can, wherever we are. Number four, real servants do everything with equal dedication. It doesn't matter whether it's a big task or a small task. If it needs to be done, it needs to be done well. Number five, real servants are faithful to their ministries. They finish their tasks. They fulfill their responsibilities. They keep their promises. They complete their commitments. And number six was, Real servants keep a low profile. They don't seek to promote themselves or draw attention to themselves. You might remember that Jesus was very critical of the Pharisees for they were always seeking to draw attention to themselves when they did something. A real servant will seek that God is the one who is honored, not themselves. And the question that is asked at the end of this section was, which of the six characteristics of a real servant offers the greatest challenge to me, making it very personal? Having been encouraged to be real servants, the question that we could ask is, how do I go about doing that? And I think I would be correct in saying that our actions stem from our thoughts. So to be a real servant, we need to deal with how we think. Colossians chapter 3 says, "Since, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And Jesus himself was probably the greatest example of this. In that passage in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We know that he died on the cross because he was humbly, obediently willing to die for our salvation. Many years ago, when I was working with children, we sang a song that went like this, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely be. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And so the first attitude of heart that real servants have is that they think more about others than they think about themselves. The second attitude of heart of a real servant is that they think like stewards, not owners. They remember that actually God is the owner of everything and they have just been entrusted with shall we say managing the estate. Joseph was a good example of this. When he worked for Potiphar, he did it to the best of his ability. He knew that Potiphar had handed the responsibility over to him but he also wanted to honour God in the way that he conducted himself. When he was in prison, he again did it to the best of his ability because of his relationship with God and because the jailer was trusting him to do a good job. When he was raised to be second in uh, command in Egypt. Again, he did it faithfully because he knew that it was God who had planned for him to be in that position. The third attitude of heart that a real servant has is that they think about their work and not what others are doing. They do not compare criticize or compete with the other servants they just do what God has called them to do in the old testament uh, Miriam and Aaron got into big trouble with God because they resented the fact that God was speaking through Moses and not through them if you want to read about this you can read it in Numbers chapter 12. The fourth attitude of heart is that real servants base their identity in Christ because they know who they are in Christ, they're willing to do whatever. Even if it seems to be a very, very meaningless or menial task, they will do it. An example of this is Jesus being willing to wash the feet of his disciples because usually that was done by the lowest of the servants. And the fifth attitude of heart is that real servants think of the ministry as an opportunity, not an obligation. In Psalm 100, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. We have in the past been encouraged to consider everything that we do as an act of worship. So when we serve the Lord with gladness, when we consider our ministry as an opportunity instead of an obligation, we are actually worshiping God. And in Hebrews chapter 6, it says God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And when we remember the, uh, the parable of the talents, we understand that God will reward faithful service. And the question that we were asked or we are asked is, am I willing, am I usually more concerned about being served or finding ways to serve others. Now as we think about that, all of that we've had, we might be saying, I can't do that. I don't have the strength, I don't have the power, I'm too weak. That's fine because when we acknowledge our own weaknesses, When we are content with who we are and what we have, then we know that we have to rely upon God. It's then that he can use us and he can empower us. And there are some examples in Scripture too that I thought of. Moses said, I can't speak very well. Gideon said... My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm in the least in my family. In other words, I can't do it. But God used both of those men to do great things. So it doesn't matter if we feel that we're weak. Then we know that we really do need to rely upon the Lord. Now, I know that there's been a lot of information, a lot in this today. Today but let me see if I can summarize it for you. We have been shaped for God's service. We have been shaped by him for his service. S was spiritual gifts, H was heart, A is abilities, P is personality, and E is experiences. When we put all of those together, we are unique. God wants to use us as we are, where we are, for his honor and for his glory. He desires that we be real servants, which will probably mean that we, may need, we would need to change our thinking. And it is okay to acknowledge our weaknesses For then it is that we rely upon God and allow him to empower us. So I hope that God has spoken to our hearts today. Let me just pray. Father, you are very, very patient with us. You didn't really need us, but you have included us in your plan of salvation. And your desire is that we do submit ourselves to you, that we allow you to use us no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. And so, Father, I pray that as we go through this coming week that you will help us to remember that you will help us, you will strengthen us, you will give us wisdom and guidance, and you will enable us to live a life that is pleasing to you. We know, Father, that we will be ridiculed, but always, Father, there's the opportunity that someone will be watching and someone will ask, why are you different? And we will have the opportunity to share with them the fact that you are a great and wonderful God. You have sent your son to be our saviour. And so, Father, I just ask that you continue to bring to mind words from your scripture which will tell us who you are and what you want us to do. We do commit ourselves to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.